I think that we should have as many two-sport athletes as we can. And the more you stay together, the more you win. Give me the elephant man in the most literal sense. I want to make sure that we're on the same page so I don't wear a fastball off the mask. Welcome to another episode of Digging In with JP and Sevia. We are broiling in the Dunedin sun for your viewing pleasure once again. Our guest today is Matt Shoemaker, a really great guy who a lot of Blue Jays fans have probably slept through most of his stars playing out on the West Coast. Uh, we get a chance to meet him, catch up with him, talk to him, and uh, you know, you're not going to meet him more genuine dude. Yeah, I would say that the front side of us is, is less broil as much as the back side of the neck where the sun is hitting us. But it actually, uh, it's a great conversation. I think Matt Shoemaker is a guy who, uh, like you said, played on the West Coast. Unfortunately, a lot of guys don't know about the West Coast players as much, but he's going to be a guy that's going to help this team out. And, 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 you know, from talking to him earlier in the clubhouses and being around him is him and his, his, his views on what this team can, can be. So I'm excited to hear what he has to say. And, uh, and again, another good guy, that, a good presence guy that's going to help this team uh, win some ball games. Yeah, as long as he stays healthy, he's, a, he's got a really nasty splitter. He's uses it more and more. It's fun to watch. I like to watch guys who have a pitch that's a little different. You than love, most and you love the beard. And I love the beard. I'm jealous. It's a lot. Uh, he claims that he just grows it out, but I think there's some, you know, there's some fudging of the truth there. He's he's put some work into it. It's, it's like this is what it looks like when you just grow it out, and his looks a lot better. Yeah, than his that. is definitely better manicured. Is I guess it yeah, would be the word. Yeah, that would be a good way um, so, to put it. but also to your defense, you don't have a big league barber just helping you out yeah, everywhere they, you go. So it's a little I, different. I, for I, you. They pay me the medium bucks, not the uh, million dollar contract. So today we're going to focus this episode on kind of the spring training experience, something that I'm relatively new to and you've been through again and again and again in various roles. So talk to us, talk to us about spring training life. What is it? Because I've, as long as we've been down here, we've heard the phrase Groundhog Day thrown about about 18 different times by different people about just the early wake ups, the long days, the heat the non-competitive baseball. I mean, I guess tell us about some of the upsides because I just made that sound pretty grim. Yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, it depends, right? There's a, there's a lot of different players. You're either a young guy that's not going to make the team and you know that you're going to go to the minor leagues and you're trying to make an impact, right? So that's one, one, you know, scenario. There's also the scenario that you're the guy that's on the bubble and maybe you can make the team and you're Tristan... Uh, you know, uh, Dalton Pompey, that you're, you're out of options and you got to, you know, make this team and be able to figure out, are you going to make this team? What's going to be the future? Are you going down the AAA, non-roster, invitee guy, but you're trying to make the team? That, for me, is the most stressful part of spring training is those guys that are kind of on the bubble of making a team later in their career. Uh, and then you have the guys that are on the, on the actual major league team that are coming here. And the biggest thing is they don't care if they're going four for four or if they're going six shutout innings. They want to feel healthy. They want to go out there. They want to take, get their work in, finish the day, go back into that clubhouse and know that their body feels good. They're right where they need to be because at the end of the day, none of these stats matter. What matters is being ready for March 28th. And so that's one thing. Uh, there's different scenarios for different guys. But as far as it, the days are long and the days are tough. Like you're here every day at five, six, seven in the morning, whatever time you come in, you work out. I mean, you've been able to see it. Like, we, we try to get guys, but spring training is not just a hangout time. You know, yeah. these guys are working in the weight room. They're working in the training room. They're working out in the backfields, getting extra ground balls. It is nonstop. And then, wait a second, you have a game that starts at 1 o'clock, right? So then all of a sudden you're getting ready. For, you have lunch, 
right to the game. So this is a really, really tough time. And when you get home, there's two things you can do. You're either gonna take a nap and kind of just mope around the rest of the day because you're just groggy or, you know, like we were talking to some of the guys, some of the guys yesterday were saying, and this is what I used to do, you try to fight your nap so that you can go to sleep at a, at a good time so that you can wake up the next day. So they are like Groundhog Day. And a lot of times they actually got one more off day, which is nice. I think that they just added some stuff. And being out here in Clearwater, Dunedin area, right? It's huge because a lot of guys stay on the beach. And so what happens is when they're done with the day, they go out to the beach, they're able to kind of unwind. So just again, depends on where you're at, you're at in your career, but spring training is not an easy time. You are working, 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 working as you guys are, are seeing. Well, yeah, and just to kind of let you guys behind the curtain at home a little bit, like the clubhouse will open at eight o'clock in the morning or whatever, you come in and no one's there because everyone's out working. Like Joe B. Genius is there signing baseball cards of himself and asking me to lick the envelope. That's correct. But generally speaking, nobody is there. And it's it's not and because they're not, not, they're up, exactly. they're working. Yes. Like if you, you can look kind of beyond where the rows of lockers are, there's a million guys in the gym. There's Devin Travis doing some stuff in the training area. Some guys are some, getting food, but everyone is doing something at a time in the morning where frankly, I never want to be up. And so, I mean, you know, don't cry for these guys. They're professional baseball players. That's a cool Yeah, cool they're doing life. pretty good. They're doing well for themselves, but it, it really is this grind uh, that you're describing. And we talk about the regular season being a grind too, but it's a very different animal with the late nights and the late mornings and the way that can work. But what is, when you think back on your spring training experiences, what are some of the, the years that stand out? Or maybe it's when you were the veteran, you knew you were safe and you could relax, but maybe it was when you were a young guy and it was all new and fresh. Like what were some of the times that stood out? Well, I think those are, being a young guy was still refreshing, right? Cause you're in big league camp, you're making a lot more money in big league camp than you are in minor league camp. You're getting the experience of big league life and you're, you know, you're all those young guys coming up. So you're, you're kind of almost in such a good space mentally because you're so young that you're just happy to be there, right? You're excited for the experience. Obviously we talked to Bo and Bo was, he has a different mindset, right? This guy is trying to, to get it done now here and he doesn't care what's, what the plan is, which, yeah. I, which I like, which makes him special. But for me, my favorite memories was once I was an everyday guy. I knew every single day I came to the field, it was just to get my work done at my pace you sit down with the manager and you tell him, hey, I want to get X amount of games a week. Let's, you can map out what it's like for yourself to get ready for that opening day. And that's what I enjoy because, one, you don't have to go on the road trips. You play a lot of home games, right? Yeah, and it's so always saying I'm on every, every road trip. trip right? Yeah. When you're young, you're on every road trip. So when you're older and a more established guy, you play home games. And a lot of times when they're on the road, you get your work done, you're done at 11 in the morning, and you either can go play golf or you go to the beach. And so that was when it became more enjoyable when me, Ricky Romero, Casey Jansen were growing, right? And that's a big thing, right? At the end of the day, we've talked about this, the friendship that we had was a real friendship. So you almost, spring training, I know that I kind of, at the beginning we're talking the dog days, it almost becomes a mini vacation. You're doing baseball, but then when baseball's over, you get to hang out with your boys and you're hanging out at the beach, you're getting dinners together and then it becomes a really, really enjoyable time. Yeah, let's, I mean, there's some stories that are for public consumption. There's some stories that are not for public consumption. But let's talk a little bit about that beach life. We went to visit uh, that Clearwater Beach area. It's just absolutely gorgeous. They have a sign that says best, best uh, beach in Florida. I don't know about that. I've heard Miami Beach Richard is Griffin bad. siding, Richard Griffin siding. <laughs> and uh, 
but you know, we spent some time there and we just happened to roll in as the sun was setting and it just like, it was a little flash image of what it must have been like living on that beach and being there day in and day out. So let's talk a little bit about that beach life in so far as the things we can talk about. Well, I mean, honestly, we didn't do a ton of crazy things at the end of the day. We were, you're getting I don't want to make season. it sound like there's anything menacing yeah, going yeah, on, yeah, but no, it just, it was, there is what it is. But you know, at the end of the day, so one year, my, the most memorable year was we had a ton of guys living out on the beach and it was awesome. A lot of us actually lived on the same block and for whatever reason, we decided to buy scooters. And so we started this scooter game and it was actually pretty fun because you know, we were we would all be at the field, but it was we were so excited to get back to the beach because it was time to get on the scooters and we were gonna drive around and we were gonna hit up the biker bars and we had we had bought these crazy skull helmets and like these like what you would see at a Harley Davidson. And so what we we specifically tried to make sure our our scooters were parked one by one next to so it'd be Harley Davidson, Harley Davidson, Chopper, Indian, all these crazy things, and then it'd be scooter 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 but the best part is we would walk into these places and like put our helmets down like we were some kind of bikers when at the end of the day if they walked out and saw what we were doing they would have laughed at us and that's what it became uh one day in spring training we decided to have uh, the scooter gang bike to the park which was a backfire because we decided to all ride tandem so it was like seven or eight scooters and we're all riding tandem to the field and we're I mean, those guys, they go 35 miles an hour. You can translate it into kilometers, not that fast. And so we got here and we parked all in one spot. Well, obviously Alex Anthopoulos rolls in and he sees all these scooters and starts to inquire about what the heck's going on. Well, he started to realize that a lot of them were the starters that were riding in on these scooters. So he nixed that real quick and that wasn't allowed to happen anymore so that our gang still was a gang. We still definitely rode our, our cycles, as I would, our motorcycles, as I'd like to say, but it no longer happened in the field. It happened throughout Clearwater Beach, and we would, we would go to dinner. Also, we would go to dinner, and as most people valet their cars, we would proceed to valet our scooters. And it was a pretty entertaining time, and it was, I mean, it was some of the most fun that I had ever had. I think that's probably the literal opposite of Jonas Cespedes showing up to camp every day with a different whip or on a horse or something. Entirely the other side from that. I don't know if you want to take credit or if you want to avoid sewering someone, however you want to put this. Who was the first person to come up with the idea for the scooters? Who was like, this is the plan, this is going to be our spring training? Man, I, uh, I got to say that if, there's any, if, if there was any plans that were kind of out there, Kyle Drabeck was probably a guy that was the ringleader of it. And I'm sure Kyle probably said it, and then we all kind of hopped on. And I don't remember how it was uh, and how we went about it, but I remember, I mean, it was everybody, like Drabeck, me, Snyder, um, Josh Renicky, blast from the past, Brian Tallett had one, Sean Markham. Like, we had, it was a full-on just group of guys that went out there and so I think it was I think it was Kyle Drabeck was I can't don't not 100% but he was also a guy that was part of the the crew that would we just came up with outlandish ideas and try to have, have as much fun as possible because at the end of the day and I'm thankful we did it is is I mean you get the whole the whole living your best life uh, line it's very accurate I mean this a few years ago I was playing on this field and now I'm here, right? And so, you know, that's one thing I try to tell these guys is have as much fun as possible because this, this time in your life is like 
a real short period, so enjoy it, and, and but still be smart about it. So we touched on kind of when you your youngest days and then when you were a little later in your career, more established. And then after you left the Blue Jays, you were kind of in that fighting for jobs mode, whether it was the Phillies or whether it was the Rays. What was that? Was that less of a good time? Because oh, now it sucked. Now <laughs> it sucked. It sucked. It's tough, man. And for me, again, I publicly spoke about this. I had anxiety, right? And then, yeah. So you have anxiety and then all of a sudden now that thing, uh, when you don't know are uncertain of the future, it even it hits you deeper, right? And so there was times in especially with Baltimore is kind of really where it hit me hard when I was with camp with the Orioles where it was my first year ever on a minor league deal, right? And so I'm like, okay, now I'm trying to make this team and I was up for the position. Matt Wieters was hurt that year coming off Tommy John. And so here I am trying to make this team and like I had a thousand pounds of pressure on me every at bat because I was trying as hard as I can to make this team and I wasn't good at being able to separate like having fun at that point. I was, the anxiety in me was kind of taking over. And it was a tough time. Like at the end of the day, that's where the uncertainty, at the end of the day, you, every, everything in, in jobs and life, uncertainty is a scary thing, right? When you don't know what's gonna happen, you don't know if I'm gonna be in Norfolk or if I'm gonna be in Baltimore. Uh, you know, what's gonna happen? I, I was never in that position at, until that point in my career. And so it was, it was a really, really tough time. And that's when spring training becomes not as fun because when you struggle at, in the game, you go home and you're pissed off and you're upset about it and, and it eats at you and then, all right, then you get over it, then the next day you show up to the field and then, all right, new fresh, new fresh head and then you struggle again and then it just becomes this vicious cycle. And for me, that was a really, really tough time where spring training was not as enjoyable because I was in a very uncertain spot with a ton of pressure and I wasn't succeeding and so I was like, where am I gonna, how's my career gonna go? Am I gonna be a guy that's back in AAA forever? I mean, am I gonna get released? There's so many different things that pops up in our head that are, you know, now I'm in a much better headspace, but at the time, it was like really, really hard for me. All right, we're gonna be joined now by someone who is in that position of stability. Matt Shoemaker, you can pencil him into the Blue Jays rotation. So, uh, joining us today is Matt Shoemaker, obviously, uh, a guy who's been around the league for a while and been very successful and now coming to the Toronto Blue Jays. Obviously, you've been there as a visiting guy, but you know we were talking in the clubhouse. And so for me, that's something that was super special is people don't realize how we prepare to win every single year. And you hear all these things about what the Jays may or may not do, but that's the outside talk. Inside, there's always a belief. And, and it was fun to hear your passion about how great you think about, you know, you can win now. and just the communication with the leadership and all that stuff. So right out of the gate, I just wanted to yeah, get in there because it was awesome to hear. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's, that's the beauty about this game, and you know it. Like, any given day, you can win. You just got to do it more than the other guys. Um, you know, there's already a good group of us getting together, kind of setting that precedent, like, hey, sky's the limit. And that's what's, that's what's beautiful about the game of baseball. You go out there, you play, you compete, you do it with your teammates, your brothers, and you win. And the more you stay together, the more you win. Um, you know, and we're, gonna, we're, we're starting to do that. What have you noticed about the Blue Jays organization so far? Because you have 30 different clubs, they all have their little different quirks, how sure. they do things differently compared to the Angels. What's kind of jumped out at you, whether it's a little thing that is kind of silly or it's yeah, a different Yeah, I mean, I, 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 could, like, I could name, we could probably name at least five, ten things right now if we wanted to get into it, just of, of cool little things or differences. Um, but just, like I said, the passion for the organization, you know, the fans already reaching out, just like, you know, Learn very quickly, you're, you're not just playing for Toronto, which is awesome, you're playing for the whole country. And that's awesome, man, because they're all behind you and 
And we know like fans, like they can drive, like they make the adrenaline better, they make everything better and the momentum. Um, you just keep building off that. Um, like I said, just communication with the staff, with the teammates, with our teammates, um, it, it's been great. One of the things that unfortunately people know you for is that incident a few years ago where you got sure. hit, really scary incident, and yeah. everyone's thankful you've covered well. And then Danny Farquhar had something happen to him relatively similar last year. He's coming back in spring training with a little bit of headgear. We've sure. seen Alex Torres try some of the headgear. Is this something that you started thinking about based on what's happened to you and the new technologies that are out there? Yeah, you know, just so thankful for how, you know, my event, you know, has, what happened afterwards. Just so thankful for, you know, how I feel, my health. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that when you love this game, you play this game hard, you go out there and compete and have fun. Um, I'm very thankful when I first stepped on the mountain after that happened it's like it's out the window you're not even thinking about it you go out there and you play and you compete and i want to beat that batter um so it's not really something i've been thinking about you know it's, it's just it's just kind of not there i mean obviously off the field we're talking about it that's great like it, it's, it's it's a good story to tell people you know like hey just fight through stuff battle get better um but when you're on the mound like i'm saying like i'm gonna i'm gonna beat that guy you know so it's, it's really cool well he's beat me before so <laughs> that's that's 100 percent and multiple times also you know we we get in the baseball we want to be lighthearted as well um one of the biggest things is I like to ask guys, right? You have a day to yourself, right? Everyone knows you as a player, as a pitcher, but I want people to know more about Matt, the person, right? And so you have a day to yourself and you want to do the favorite food that you want to hit up, your favorite hobby, what does that yeah. look like? You know, it depends on, so now having, having kids, day off usually is like, hopefully, maybe go to a beach, maybe chill in the backyard if you have a pool, whatever it is. It's usually just laying low, relaxing with the kids and wife, the dog, hanging out. Uh, maybe before kids, it was, even now and then we'll mix in some golf, but you know, I'm a very big, you know, I like hunting, fishing, and golfing. It's, those are the three things I love to do when, hey, when baseball's not around, the kids are maybe napping or, you know, I get some free time, you know, golf, fish, hunt. Um, like I said, just go out there and have a good time. But, you know, usually now, it's like I said, just, just hanging out with the kids, letting them, let them run around, you know, have a blast with them. Salt water or fresh water? Oh man, they're they're both great. Both like, great. I, I I'm in I live in Michigan, grew up in Michigan, okay. so all the you know the Great Lakes, Lake Erie, all that. Fresh water um, is near and dear to me. You know, obviously you get the large mouth then, but by us in Lake Erie, you get walleye and perch, man. Fabulous to eat, but then also just just fun. Um, but you go saltwater fishing, it's it's tough to beat, man. It's Saltwater fishing is where it's at, dude. Get like, a good fight. You already know what you're going to catch half the time, which is awesome. Like, you get into a good snook, you, then you get some snapper, grouper. Like, it, it's all over the board, man. It's it's fun. Golfing, are you, uh, would you say that you're a ringer, or would you say you're a ringer for a few holes and then kind oh, of I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a solid, I'm, I'm a scratch golfer. Oh. Not. I wish oh, okay. I was. <laughs> no, I, I love golf. It's a lot of fun. Um, not the best at it. More there for the beers? More there, just, you know, hang out, swing some clubs, have a good time. Right. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoy playing, uh, but I'm definitely not the best gol golfer out there. All right. What do you know about Toronto so far? You're going to be spending six months there. Yeah. What have, what's the word on the street? What research have you been doing? We can help you a little bit on some yeah, of those sides. Yeah, help me you know, guide the way. Like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely uh, take your guys' tips for sure. Um, like JP said, being on the road, you got to explore the city a little bit for three or four days, depending, you know, once a year, being with the Angels previously. Um, but just knowing the food scene's unbelievable, I gotta be careful of that because I love food. Um, and th just the city, the city's great, the fans are great, the people are great, the culture's great. Um, you name it, like it's just an all around amazing city. It's, it's awesome. What is the, what's the danger food that you want to stay away from? Because we give yeah. a lot of restaurant recommendations on this show. Yeah, we should actually like, be sponsored yeah. by two of them. I, it's almost sometimes I wish I was a little more picky uh, yeah. because I'm not too picky. 
you know, like obviously the steakhouses are, you go get a nice ribeye and all the fixings and all that, it's tough to beat, but my range of food is very open. So Jacob's it is for him. That's, that's what hey, right. We were talking about Jacob's this morning with, Jacob's, uh, with Bailey. Jacob's is the spot, my favorite steakhouse yeah, in, that's in, what I've heard. in Toronto, yeah, so it's, heard. it's good. So then food, and, and we're yeah. going, a lot of people always want to know too. Well, why the music you walk out to? Also, yeah. what do you? If there's something that you eat before a start, right? Like yep. everybody knows you're getting ready, but it's superstitions, all mm -hmm. of it. So for you, do you have any superstitions? Is there a certain yeah. food that you eat before games? Yeah. And then I forgot my last question. So well, I, no, music. I then music. That's correct. Yeah. So yeah. So certain. I know a lot of guys have superstitions. You know, some do, some don't. Um, I definitely more call minor routine in the sense of every day I have. You know. I do my stretch, I have certain catch, I have certain running, I have certain, you know, arm program. Um, but So when it comes to that, it's more of like my routine. And on game day, you got your routine to get ready, get locked in, uh, go stretch, get loose, ride the bike, run, whatever it is that you do to get loose. Individually, each player is different. Um, but when it comes to food before a game, I just try to eat light. Because like, I, I, get, I know I'm getting ready to go out there and pitch, and I'm like, I just got to eat something light. So it's not the same food all the time. Um, it's just kind of whatever is there that sounds good in the moment. Yeah. but. I can be a heavy eater, which I got to be careful of, but it's game day. It's like try to eat light just to get something in you. Um, so nothing particular on the food side there. Um, then music, like I said, I got, I like all music. I really do. I like, I like every genre of music, you know, whether it goes from, you know, rock to rap, even a little bit to country. Um, but my two favorite music genres are like some good Christian rock and then even some like hardcore rock, whether you want to call it Metallica or Disturbed, Avenged Sevenfold. No, that's, that's kind of that's, that's what nice. I really like. Yeah. One thing you got to look out for is a big storyline last year was Luke Maley taking control of the clubhouse DJ Reigns, and he was playing a lot of pop oldies. So hey, be I'm ready. In. I'm in. Like I, I've heard he's got Toto. some he's got some good DJ taste. And, so. and that's uh, I mean that's a huge responsibility in the clubhouse. What do you plan on coming out to like for your start? Yeah, com honestly unknown. I, I couldn't unknown. tell you an exact right now. Um, might leave it open, but usually some type of rock song or. Maybe metal for getting into it. Depending so it's not. On the, there's nothing you've had like your whole career. Like no, this is the thing. No, it's not been one. Not set. the Mariano Rivera <laughs> method. Enter Sandman. If, if I was as good as Mariano, I'd say I might be able to do it. <laughs> who's who's so far? Who's uh, a guy that you've gravitated? A young guy. You know, we talk about. You know, now there's a lot of young guys. What's a young guy in this team that you've kind of gravitated uh, in, in camp to? Yeah, you know, that's. Thankfully, I guess it's a good thing. Like, it's not been one guy. Yeah. You know, like I said, we, I get in here, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Sanchi, I'm talking to Stro, talking to Clayton, uh, Brucky, you name it. Like, obviously, we're talking about pitchers, talking yeah, about, yeah. hey, like, let's. Well, you don't want to talk to the hitters. Hey, hey I'm just getting there. <laughs> you know, right. I'm getting there. Like I said, <laughs> you, know, you know that. And then what's the next important part? The catchers, man. Yeah. Talking to your catchers, man. That pitcher catcher relationship is extremely important. I know you know that. Um, so talking talking to our catchers, talking to our guys, and then like I said, branching off, like not branching off, but like I mean, you're, you want to get to everybody. I'm, I'm new here, been here for a few weeks, so it's like then you go off, like I said, into the position players. Like I'm, you name it. I, I've known Gritch a little bit when he's with the Angels, so I knew Gritch coming in, so that was a familiar face. But you name it. Like I've talked to every player at every position, so it's and that's what's cool about this team. Like we talked about earlier, man. It's like. You start getting that closeness, that camaraderie going, the sooner the better. Because you're gonna go out there and play well and win. Normally you see pitchers talking to pitchers and position players talking to position players. Catchers are a little different, JP knows. Uh, what does well, we're a awesome. Yeah, awesome. That's one way to put it. Uh, what does a veteran pitcher like you have to talk to, you know, a young hitter about? Like what how can you find that connection you know, and make and, a difference? And that's that? like I said, whether it's a whether it's a, a pitcher who's been around or a, or a new pitcher, whether it's a hitter who's been around or a new hitter. 
when you learn as a player, you can get any tips from any person. It doesn't matter. So I'm talking about to, uh, position players, whether it's a guy that's been around in the league for 10 years or he's it's his first year here. Um, I'm hoping he picks my brain as a pitcher, like, hey, what am I trying to do? It's going to get him better. It's going to help us win on the field. And I'm asking him the same thing. Like, as a young guy, it doesn't young or old, doesn't matter. It's, hey, what, what, what's your approach? What are you trying to do? What are you looking for? Because then if I can exploit something when I'm pitching, that's going to help our team be better and I'm going to get that guy out and we win the game because of it. That's how teams win. You know, whether it's talking to, like I said, a guy who's been around for 10 years or a new guy, the time's irrelevant. You just want to learn and get better. I'll say last one for me, and, and, and there's one thing that you're looking forward to. You get into Toronto, off the baseball field, whether it be like your restaurant, your coffees, or, or or just exploring, what's the one thing that you're looking forward to to getting into Toronto and being in Canada? I, I, I want to give you a specific answer, and I, I don't have <laughs> it. Because, I, because, like, because it's such a cool city. Yes. There's not one thing. Very diverse. Like I know I'm gonna attack the food scene. Like it's given. I just gotta watch it. Be careful, you know. Um, but then I said, I know there's having kids and a dog. Like the parks are plentiful there, which is awesome. And I've, I've looked up and learned. Like there's, it's just a beautiful, great city. You know, so it's not one thing. Like I, I say, I mentioned food first, but I try not to be too much of an eater. But you said, you name it. You know, the, the food, the you know, the, the parks, the water. You got, you know, the water's there. It's yeah, all kinds of stuff to, to explore. Nice. All right, we appreciate you coming on, give us yeah. some time, and sitting out in the, the heat, putting your arms at risk for sunburn. Yeah, no sunscreen, you know. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, Thank you, you guys. Very much. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right, we're back, and you know, people who are seeing us on video for the first times so are learning something now. Sometimes I do bring notes. It's not all that's off the top of my head. And so today we're talking about things going on around the league. I know this happened a while ago, but we haven't touched on it yet. And I think it's interesting is some of the rule change proposals that came out because they're trying to alter the game. I think largely it's a good thing. And I think that a lot of people are worried about pace of play. They're worried about strikeouts. There are things in the game that, that are legitimately worth being concerned about and that they're trying to fix. And NFL, they're always tweaking rules. We know that doesn't always go the way they Obviously, want it to go. Yeah. but. But I think that's the right attitude, right? Like, yeah. let's see what we can do to make the game better. So yes. I wanted to go through a couple of proposals with you and see where we're at. All right. All right, let's take a look here. Pitch clock, okay, that's the obvious one. Well, with the pitch clock, for me, what, what people don't realize too is there's a lot of ways to beat that system, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of outs to that rule. So if a pitcher comes set and he steps off, the clock restarts. So although is it a, it's a pain in the butt, it could be. Also, we've been here for spring training. You've seen the, the pitch. Most of the time, guys are throwing with 10 seconds left on that pitch. Yeah, clock, it's, right? not it's not really a, affecting. It's guys. not affecting at all. The only place, the only time when it affects the pitcher or the hitter is the first pitch of that at bat because the, the the hitter's walking to the plate, the pitcher's there, and sometimes now the batter has to be able to get in a little quicker than he did before. But that's really it. Other than that, the pace of play. That's going to be something that people don't even realize happens. And for, for me, the only th I think that it's fine. I'm not against it. I do think it's kind of cool that baseball is the sport without a clock. And when you put a clock there, I think it ruins a little bit of the romanticism of baseball. But ultimately, I think that's the direction we're going. And that's not the hill I'd want to die on. Yeah, no, it's, and it's not going to be a big deal. So easy, easy work. There. This one is a bit of a bigger deal. Relievers have to face three batters unless they're injured. Yeah, I think that's that's changing the outcome of the game for me, right? I think I think at the end of the day, one that a, 
as a player that takes away some guy's opportunity to do well and make some money as a, as a specialist, right? I think yeah. that takes away the specialist Yeah, you are job literally killing some jobs. Yeah, that. you're going to take away some, some jobs. jobs that don't exist. You take, away, you take away game planning, although, yes, you can say, like, well, then plan for it. But I think, I think what they're trying to do with pace of play is one thing that that's changing the in-game stuff. And that's what baseball, or the Players Association always talks about, don't touch what's going on within the game. And that's go touching what's going on yeah. with the game. On the flip side, I bet you there's some hitters that say, oh yeah, yeah, let's yeah. do it. Yeah, please put them in for three batters because then I, I hit have, behind a big lefty. Exactly. I don't want to see the dude. Exactly. So that's a, that's Give me one Randy thing. Choate. I don't know. If yeah. Well, done, back but then, like, but yeah. back then he was guys just were scared of him. So yeah. I think that'll be hitters would say, yeah. Well, actually, some lefties would go, heck yeah, I'd want to be able to have that rule implemented. And I and I see some of the problems again. We're talking about pace of play, that it does it will it would speed up the game. I think it would it would increase offense. People are worried about their not enough being offense. I agree with you though. I think it, it, it goes too far. It goes too far altering the strategy of the game, even though it would probably fix a couple of problems that we're currently facing. So this is again, this is the big one too, universal DH. I like the universal DH. I'm actually all for it. I think, listen, at the end of the day, pitchers, first off, pitchers get hurt hitting, which I don't like to see, right? That's not yeah, a good yeah. thing. I also think we're talking jobs. It gives, it gives the opportunity right away, some of these position players, that they're that guys that were won't get a look at a, a National League team because of maybe they're more of a DH than a position player. Now it gives him a full amount of teams that are yeah. going to. Well, have Kendris him. Morales would have twice the market, right? Like well, a, he wasn't really. A and then you think player. about it. I think one of the best points is is you go to if you go to the San Francisco Giants and you're there to see Buster Posey, and it's he's not catching that day, he can't DH. And so here's, it gives an opportunity for fans to be able to see some of their favorite players on days that they may not be quote unquote on the field because you'll be able to DH those guys instead of getting them off their feet. They're still off their feet. Now it's just on a DH position. So I think I'm all for the universal DH. I like watching pitchers hit. I think it, ma it makes the game relatable because it feels like this is like an av, even though he's not an average guy, he's like, wait, whoever you are at home, he's way more athletic than you. But like, you feel like, oh, here's just a dude trying to hit a baseball at the major league level. It's kind of funny, but I think the arguments on the other side are much stronger than that kind of novelty sort of argument. Yes. Okay, well, we're talking about jobs. I think this one is an easy one. We can probably agree on expansion of rosters from 25 to 26 with the prohibition that you only have 12, 12 pitchers. pitchers. So that gives, gives you more jobs. I mean, you're a position player. Hell yeah, let's have three catchers. Listen, let's have more position players. I'm all for more jobs, and I'm more for guys with more opportunities. So I think that'd be huge. And, I, and you see it, how many times throughout the season is their roster moves up and down because yeah. one guy may have pitched a little bit further than he should have, or, and a guy all of a sudden a, pitch, a position player Mike gets McCoy, sent down, right? Mike McCoy, racking up the air miles, and Vegas so to Toronto back in the day. It sucks, and it takes away service time. It does a lot of different things, and so I, I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see Munenori Kawasaki yeah. would have stayed on our, on our team if that was the case, if we had that extra 26 That's also guy. a good point on that is the service time aspect that I think a lot of fans don't think of. Well, I mean, Thanks to Vladdy, everyone's thinking yeah, about service time. About but like back before, in the pre-Vladdy era, like a lot of Blue Jays fans aren't necessarily thinking about service time. So the other, this one has been talked about for a while. I'm going to preview it by saying I do not like it. Runner starts on base in extra Terrible. I, I hate, hate it. it. I, hate I absolutely it. hate it. Again, hate we're talking it. about changing the game fundamentally. Well, oh, it's, it's just stupid. And then, and then so then now that guy doesn't get the run, but he still gets the loss. Like who gets the loss? Who gets the run? Does, so now is that a run score? Does that guy get that RBI? Does it really count as an RBI? Like, 
I, I just think that for me, that's that's one thing. If you add the other roster spot too, you, you should be fine with it, right? It gives you more room with, with arms or whatever you want to do. But I just think at the end of the day, that is one thing I don't like. But what I do like, and this is something that might be a little off kilter, is there's shootouts in hockey, right? Yeah. And I think that maybe there's something where at the end of the day you go for fan entertainment, like, all right, let's have like, this is very far-fetched, but all right, let's have a, a home run derby. And then that's how you win the game or whatever, whatever one event may be. I would say the really the only thing you can do is have a home yeah, run derby. Derby is probably the only thing that fits in that, that vein. fits in that vein. But that, I think like if at the end of the day, that's something that can help. Yeah, I think I think you'd have a hard time getting support for the extra inning home run derby, to be honest. It'd be, it's funny because the shootout in hockey, the comparison you make, everyone loves a shootout unless their team is in it, right? You love to see a shootout in general, but when your team is in it, it's like, oh, this is bullshit. Why are we deciding a game like this? So I think you'd have the same situation in baseball. People are like, oh, the Phillies are going to a home run derby. Let's watch Bryce Harper. But if you're a Phillies fan, you're like, really? This is going to decide whether we're going to Yeah, but if you're a purist, but if you want it for pure entertainment, especially this day and age with the young, you know, you're trying to get the younger demographics. I think watching it at NHL now in overtime has been super the three fun. On three, the three on three is unbelievable, right? Yeah. So we'll, maybe, all right, maybe you, whatever you do, you have to, maybe you do something on, if, if Only you're going to do position anything. players can pitch. But don't, yeah, <laughs> but don't put a runner on the base to start the inning. I think that's terrible. Yeah, I think it's Frankenstein baseball. Yeah, it's it's just not quite what it is. This one, I think, is a little bit too vague to come down on super hard one way or the other because I'd like to know the specifics. But penalizing teams for being perennial losers in the draft, like if you lose X amount of games, X number in a row, you don't automatically get first pick. Trying to encourage those basement teams to be more competitive. I get where they're coming from. I want to hear exactly what the proposal is. It's a little bit I think that's. I think, point. well, that's tough because then at the end of the day, the Tampa Bay Rays don't go to the World Series. At yeah, the, yeah. When they went to the World Series, they went to the World Series because they had all these first picks for so long, right? So it gives them an opportunity to be, have a little bit of a competitive balance again. I don't think, maybe you penalize them, you don't, you don't flip it to them all the way be at the end. Maybe oh, it's become yeah, a middle, a middle be like pick. That, but. but what I think at the end of the day is, I think if, if you're under a certain amount of, of wins or, or under a certain amount, or if you have a certain amount of losses, whichever way you want to put it, you find teams. And that's, and that's something for me that doesn't, still keeps their draft order, still gives them an opportunity to go out there. But if you're not going to win because you're saving money on, on not playing for, paying for whatever players, all right, well, if you lose X amount of games, it's, it's a, this kind of fee. And if you lose this, because there's a luxury tax for the guys that are paying a lot of money to win games. So the guys that are losing and don't really care, I think that maybe they should get penalized financially. And you wouldn't be able to enforce this, but one thing I think might be interesting would be not doing it necessarily doing penalties based on wins and losses because say take the 2017 blue jays they wanted to win but they just happened to lose a lot but penalize that people for running so if you run a payroll below x and you get x amount of losses then maybe there's some kind of threshold where you drop a pick or two in the draft and i and again i think fiscally those teams those teams that have those low payrolls are making a lot of money oh yeah probably more than Teams the profits the are, pairs. again, we don't look at the books. I know San Diego released theirs, but no, I mean, it, it's a known secret that those teams are making bucks. So that's money. so that's my biggest thing, right? You're going to make money and to save money on players? Well, then you pay it back to the league. Okay, two more quick hitters because I don't see any big disputes here. Two sport athletes can sign major league contracts. 
I don't know, kind of why not? Like, let's try and encourage people to come to this game. I think that we should have as many two-sport athletes as we can. I think it's a tough thing to do, yeah. especially, you know, you watch the Deion Sanders special and all that stuff. It's not easy if you go to the playoffs. That's where it gets a little hairy. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we're entertainers, man. And so if you can get a guy who's really good on two, two different sports, why not? I think that's a special thing that is really tough to do. And final one, I'm saving the, the big one for last, putting away the notes. It's going to be all off the dome from here. Uh, final one, five mound visits per game, not six. Bring yeah, it down by one. That's so, I mean, and listen, at the end of the day, what, as a catcher, what makes me mad about the mound visits is those are crucial. That's a crucial part of the game. That's something where I have to, if there's a man on second base and I have to go out there and change the signs late in the game and it's the ninth inning, and I know that that guy's relaying the signs to the hitter, and you're telling me that I've already visited, I've used my, all my visits throughout the game, like, that's, that's messing with the game. And not only is it messing with the game, I have a guy on the mound that's usually, as a closer, throwing 100 miles an hour now, and our signs are a little mixed up, and I can't go out there and go, hey, listen, we gotta make an adjustment, or hey, get crossed up and I'm looking for a breaking ball and he throws a hundred mile an hour fastball that's it now that's you're talking about concern. it's a safety issue and that's for me as a catcher that's where I think listen at the end of the day maybe you say a time as far as okay if he goes 10 times you got 10 seconds or whatever it may be that you have to be out there and back but give the guy the opportunity because there's so many times within a game yeah. that it makes more it's more than just talking about the hitter and it's more than about just bsing it's actually like I want to make sure that we're on the same page so I don't wear a fastball off the mask. Yeah, and I think, that, to be fair, that's something I probably didn't consider. My only rebuttal to that would be that they did change the mound visits last year and try to limit them, and there didn't seem to be that much pushback. It seemed like they did have enough to do it, so we'll see if five ends up being enough. But I, I can, the type of scenario you've laid out is definitely one I could imagine. So that's, and also, listen, at the end of the day, the umpire don't want to be back there. If, if the catcher don't know what's going on with the pitcher and the signs. No one wants to be back there because it's dangerous. So at the end of the day, I don't know if it's, uh, hey, listen, the, the, even if the umpire comes out, when you say, hey, look, I just need to do the sign thing and they have to check it or however it may be, but you can't, to say that you, that you would say, hey, you can't go out there because you've already used them, for me, that this is, it's not, it's not smart. I get going out, some guys go out too much to take advantage of it, but that's not what's killing the pace of play at the end of the day. Like, let's be honest. Okay, so we're going to finish it off. I would say traditionally, as we just started. Uh, would you rather? With the would you rather. Last time we talked about it, you said, I think the direct quote was, let's get weird. So I, I took that to heart. Yeah, I wanted to get With today's uh, would you rather. And that is, would you rather have A, the neck of a giraffe, or B, an elephant's trunk coming out of your face? Coming out of my face? Just like as a, you're instead of a nose, I guess. Wow, that's a that one's actually a tough would you rather. I would neither appealing. I would rather have a giraffe's neck. Really? Yeah. See, I was gonna say the opposite. I would rather have a giraffe's neck because one that I'd get I'd be able to see over everybody at sporting events, right? I'd True. Be, yeah, you never have to buy a it's good. It's almost ticket. like being in a on a raised truck, right? I can over if you're in a lifted truck, you can kind of see everything before it happens. If I'm a giraffe's neck, I can kind of peek over some things. I might not, I could be a good bullpen coach or somebody that can see over the wall. There's a lot of different aspects. I think Great about it Great view on the pitch tunneling with that Yeah, neck. dude, there's so many different things that I would be able to, to do with a higher head than a longer, like, nose. See, for me, I was not thinking of what can I do with this. I was thinking of, like, what is this going to mess with? 
And I feel like an elephant's trunk is, you know, you're not gonna be pretty after that, that's for sure. But your head is in the same place. Like it's, you could live a more normal life with a giraffe's neck. You're craning under things all the time. Nothing fits you anymore. I, I, I just feel like it's more, really more disruptive to living a human life. If you had an elephant's trunk, you're a hu you're just a hideous human, but you're not like a totally different species. I mean, but it's I would say it'd get in the way of a lot of stuff. Like, at least I could still kiss somebody normally as with a giraffe's head, as Trick opposed to photog. Imagine anyone taking a photo of you. It's like, I mean, I guess people take photos of giraffes too. Yeah. So 100% giraffe. I'm going giraffe neck. I'm, I've, I'm Zubes, sticking to my guns. Zubes, I think Zoobs I think agrees as well. I'm. I give me the elephant man in the most literal sense. I'll still be the elephant man and. I'll be I the giraffe live. man. All Maybe right. one day we'll do a show with me <laughs> with a giraffe head and, the, and you with the elephant head. All right. I can't think of a better way to wrap it up than that. Hope you guys enjoyed listening. Keep subscribing. Any way you can subscribe, listen, watch. We're going to be here all year. See ya.